Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name's Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And for the first time in a while, we're probably both in a bit of a bad mood this week. Uh, Both clubs coming off the back of two defeats and a draw in the past week. For Arsenal, it was uh, losing to Burnley and Everton, drawing with Southampton. And for Tottenham, it was losing to Liverpool and Leicester and drawing with Crystal Palace. Uh, Jason, we'll start with you and Arsenal. I think I read that today on the day we're recording, it's one year now since Mikel Arteta was appointed manager. Uh, Given your recent results this past week and your position in the table, do you think you're any better off now than you were a year ago? Hmm. You know what? It's hard to say because the whole Emery scene was a joke and there was just no strategy and no plan and there were never signs that there were. Whereas at least we saw for seven, eight months that there was something about Arteta and the ideas we, he, he was bringing in and, and you know, the rebirth of a few players. And, you know, to actually see Arsenal's defensive team for a while it was a nice surprise. You know, a lot of fans I speak to, Arsenal fans, who supported the days before Wenger said, that's what we were. We were a 1-0 to the Arsenal defensive unit and we were, we, people would be proud to go back to that. You know, Wenger was an anomaly in Arsenal's history, if you like. Um, but in terms of whether we're in a better position, no. I mean, the, the stats don't lie. We're still in the Europa League. Um, yes, we have a few, another FA Cup in the cabinet. But in terms of our league form and our ability to look like we're going to the next level, no, we look, we look further off. So, yeah, taking aside, you know, the the wishful thinking now it seems that Arteta was the solution to all our problems and that he was going to be the next Pep Guardiola and and take us back into the Champions League and as Willian was promised win it within three years um, has now become what people are calling a relegation fight I don't believe it's that and we'll talk about that later on I'm sure um, but no I guess I guess the simple answer is no we are not better off yes we are worse off and I guess throwing it back to you I mean I was I, I've been every end of the weekend I've been struggling to get to sleep knowing that Spurs are sitting I would say pretty sitting ugly at the top of the table and to see them not only knocked off top of the table but plummet out of the top four at least for a weekend um, is absolutely joyous to me and I'm sure it's kind of a bit of a wake-up call for you it's like you've been living in a bit of a, a, a dreamland and now it's oh back to back to the Spursy way as Roy Keane would say. Yeah, I mean it was fun while it lasted as being top of the league. Um but I think the fact that we we fell right out of the top four in, in one weekend, I think that's more of a comment on how congested and, and tight the table is this season, more so than anything to do with us. I mean if we can fall that quickly then then we can go back up that quickly as well. And there's only like two points between second and sixth and and we're still only six points off top. So I think we're still very much in the mix there at the top of the table. Uh, And given the the run of fixtures we've had, I think if you'd said before this, this run, before even the city game, that by the time we come out of these six games, you'll be fifth, probably sixth by the time we finish recording this if Chelsea um, beat West Ham, um, but only two points off second and six points off top, I think we we probably would have taken that. And I suppose to contrast with the uh, the question I asked you about Arteta, 
Mourinho now. It's been more than a year, um, but we're definitely better off now than we were last season in league position and performances, even with this little dip that we've had. So it's disappointing to to fall off top and obviously a, a little bit embarrassing that, that we fell to, to fifth in like one day. But I think it's more of a comment on on this season rather than us. And I think we're still moving in a positive direction, but it's definitely given us some things to think about and been a bit of a reality check and maybe sort of top four on a trophy should be the more realistic aim rather than a title challenge. But if we win our next game and other results go our way, we could easily be second again in the closest Liverpool. So I think there'll be a lot of twists and turns yet this season. And the fact that the table can change that much, I'm guessing is giving you a bit of hope that you can escape from this uh, relegation battle that you've found yourselves in, that you say you're not in, but I'm guessing you're now looking over your shoulders nervously at Burnley, particularly after they beat you at the Emirates and worrying whether you're going to fall even further down the league. Listen, I, th- I think the you're right. The table is slightly deceiving in a way because it's also concentrated around that bottom and the top and, and in the middle, you know, you're only one good run away from getting back in the mix. And and unfortunately, what will probably happen is that we will lose against Chelsea on the weekend. We will lose against Brighton away and potentially Sam Allardyce's West Brom team away on the 2nd of January might now be in, in his uh, under his real spell and, and get a result. And then we'll be in the relegation zone and and that will be what, enough to sack Arteta, I think. And that will mean that there'll be some change. And I believe that change will be good for this club, as they always seems to be. That bounce back. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know if we're better than the top five or six. If you start including the Leicesters and the Southamptons, maybe the Villas as well. Um, but we've certainly got good enough squad on paper to, to be up there. And uh, I don't think it's completely over. We're not in a relegation fight. A relegation fight is when you're, when you're when you're really struggling, you can't see the surface, in my opinion, and you're and you know you're you're battling week in week out in the business end of the season. This is early days. This isn't even halfway through the season. People forget because Christmas time usually is uh, is about about five games on, and uh, even though it's you're sort of getting a picture, you know Southampton could easily finish tenth this year. Chelsea could finish fourteenth. It might not happen. It's likely not to happen. Um, but I think I, I think it's all a bit dramatic. I think it's a classic agenda. We all know how um, everyone loves to have a team to pick on. One of the top teams, especially. And, you know, Frank Lampard had his turn a bit. City never really get their turn, but people love a poke at them when they can. Man United have really been taking the brunt of it, yet they're, they're nearly top of the league. Um, and especially Liverpool after that bad result to Villa. Um, and we all know how much of a joke we all love to make up Tottenham Hotspur, especially me. So, yeah, we're not getting relegated. We are not in a good position, though, as you said. I suppose we have to look a little bit up and a little bit down. We're not looking at the Liverpools and the Man Uniteds. Um, but we're not really looking at the Sheffield Uniteds, Fulham's, um, and West Brom's maybe Burnley only because of their game in hand um, but yeah that, that, that's that's my true thoughts on it I think everyone just needs to calm down and not you band these hot terms around I've seen top bloggers use it now I've seen 
Arsenal fan TV on Sky Sports get interviewed calling it a relegation battle. It doesn't help the cause. It puts more pressure on the players and managers, even if they claim that they don't read it um, and watch and consume all the the, um, the news and, and the current affair opinions. And uh, thank God it's January because decisions need to be made for sure. You mentioned Big Sam there. I mean, I was delighted after the Burnley game to see everybody linking Big Sam to the Arsenal job the way we were our last episode. We were ahead of the curve, but now he's gone to West Brom. I mean, are you going to be kicking yourselves that you've missed the opportunity to hire Big Sam if you do end up sacking Arteta and you realise that the best man to get you out of get you out of the situation you're in is already at West Brom? Well, if it was March time, I'd say yes, but it's, you know, the, the season is still salvageable and there's some lovely managers' names on that shortlist. I mean, it still seems that Allegri is up there. Um, and strong favourites, Thomas Tuchel from PSG. Um, although I think the last time we took a PSG manager should be a bit of a warning sign. A <laughs> um, couple of legends in there, in the mix. Pochettino's name gets mentioned, but we all know he's not coming. Um, Ralph Hasenhutl, a couple of people have mentioned, but at the moment doesn't quite make sense. Um, so yeah, who, who, who knows uh, whether Nuno, you know, another bad result today, kind of teetering down the table. Um, had links with our agent network, um, could be one to watch. Um, and, and it's funny, it's a sign of the times that we're even speaking about names because the manager's still in place. But, I mean, you sent it to me earlier today and I'd seen it a couple of places, this strange sort of percentage calculation he was working about, out about percentages of of likelihood of losing games. And it was just, it was just like Emery territory all over again. It's like, it's like these managers almost like self-destruct um, and uh, and just go start speaking a different language to us. And, um, you know, I'm almost thinking, I almost wonder whether Pep Guardiola promised Arteta, this is all speculation, by the way, you know, a job back at City if, if it doesn't work out. Because, you know, in hindsight, it feels like a risk. Arteta knew how good could he really get it going you know he almost wanted that experience it seemed like a good time he's got his five mil in the bag now from his yearly salary realized maybe that was it that was his chance that's what it feels like for me this was his chance in management and unless he gets an Everton job if they fall off the, the pace which I can't I can't see him motivating Richarlison or or Calvert-Lewin anytime soon um, you know, he's uh, he's going to have a massive problem getting a job after this, I think. And and it, it now feels like an inevitability of, um, of when, not if. It's when Mikel is sacked, um, whether it's this side of the new year or not at this rate. So that, that's the real tone around the club. And, um, and yeah, again, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll let you take charge on it because it's something that you spoke to me about. But whether it's a, it's a managerial thing or something bigger, at the club, but I think I want to I want to give you a bit of the the spotlight because um, it's been a joy to to see a little bit of a change in pace um, with the Spurs and kind of I guess what's happened because I've watched some of the games and you know they've looked okay Spurs they've scored goals um, not last night but you know they've they've looked okay and and Son and Kane slightly gone off the boil a little bit oh, only by a couple of games. Um, and you know, you just thought you'd you'd be able to 
get that Liverpool game over the line with the Jose style of football and get over the line with that Palace game, you know, sneak another um, win like champions. And and against Leicester, it was almost lifeless being at home and, and you know, in a massive top of the table clash. I mean, what, what's what's your thoughts on why and how Spurs have started to falter in these past few games and what the sentiment is like from Spurs fans, especially towards Jose Mourinho? Well, you've, you've seen through my ploy of trying to keep the conversation on Arsenal and, and not talk about Tottenham. But yeah, I think personally, my theory as to what's gone wrong this week is that the schedule has started to catch up with the players and not in terms of the number of matches we played, but the the caliber of opposition we played, playing City, Chelsea and Arsenal one after the other then having what were two quite tricky away fixtures when you factor in that there were fans there with Palace and Liverpool, and then having Leicester, who I didn't realise had a better record away from home this season than they did at home. I'd forgotten all about the fact that they went to Man City and and won their 5-2. And I think because Mourinho has relied essentially on the same group of players for every single one of those matches, and particularly for the the first three against City, Chelsea and Arsenal, played in a, a very similar defensive counter-attacking way for the first kind of half of those fixtures, which was the right strategy to play in those games and, and paid off. I think that approach can be as psychologically demanding on the players as it is physically. And in the Palace game, I thought that the players were starting to look a bit tired and you saw some of those bad habits creep back in that we thought we'd got rid of after the West Ham game. Some of the the sloppy passing at the back or rushing things up front. And the goal that Palace get from from a set piece is almost identical to the goals that we were conceding against Everton, Newcastle, West Ham at the start of the season that we thought we'd cut out. You go ahead to the Leicester game, Serge Aurier giving away that penalty. I mean, I was praising him the last time we spoke. He'd been so good. And that looked like a, a return to the Serge Aurier we all, well, not all know and love, but classic old Serge Aurier, then an own goal from Alderweireld. The Liverpool game, the deflection for their first goal, then another goal from a set piece for their header. And you can look at each one of those things in isolation and say, well, it's just individual errors and you're unlucky. And, and particularly against Palace and Liverpool, on any other day, those matches could have gone the other way. I mean, the Palace keeper pulled off a couple of incredible saves. Bergwijn hits the post against Liverpool. And I didn't think we played badly in either of those two matches. I, I think we were a bit unlucky, but you saw the early signs of, I think, fatigue kicking in. And then I think that really came home to roost in the Leicester game, where, as you said, we just looked lifeless and it looked like we were out of energy, out of ideas. And I think Mourinho hasn't managed the squad well enough over this period in terms of refreshing and rotating. And I know it's easier said than done and quite difficult because you never want to change a winning team. And if he does make changes and, and we lose anyway where people will say well why are you messing with a winning formula but I think some of the when he has I mean, and I know this might sound like a contradiction but then when he has made changes I don't think they've been the right ones like not starting Reguillon and Undembele against Liverpool I thought it was confusing given that they've been two of our best players if you know you're going to need to rest and rotate then why not play uh, Davies and the Celso against Palace so that you can then play Reguillon and Ndombele against Liverpool. Why are we throwing on Delhi as our go-to substitution late on against Palace and Liverpool and then he's not in the squad against Leicester? It makes it even more confusing then. Is he in or is he out? Why are we not playing 
Carlos Vinicius off the bench if we're chasing a goal in these games. You know, why take off Undambele? Okay, I get, I, you know, we were 1-0 down against Leicester. We needed to go for it. So it makes sense to make a substitution. But he takes off Undambele for Bale. Then Lo Celso gets injured. So he puts on Mora. So we have Bale, Son, Mora and Kane, which you think, okay, great four strikers. We're going for it. But our two most creative midfielders in Lo Celso and Undambele are now off the pitch. It's just two purely defensive midfielders in Hoiberg and Sissoko. So there's nobody who's actually stringing the passes together. And I think teams have worked out, and it looked like Leicester had worked out as well, that if you just sit deep or, or, you know, don't push up so high against Tottenham and stop Harry Kane when we're on the counter and stop him from playing that pass through to Son, then you can kind of stop Tottenham. And I think we'd become so reliant and used to playing in a certain style and Kane and Son doing bits on the counter-attack that then once that stopped working, it was as if the other players either didn't know what to do or weren't used to having to step up and create things themselves. I think it's kind of exposed maybe a lack of a a plan B and a lack of, um, you know, we talked a lot about how much deeper the squad is, but it doesn't seem like Mourinho is really using them or or trusting them at the moment. And there's only so many times you can use the same group of players before they start to look a bit off the pace. So personally, that's what I think it is. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily... A complacency and I think that they were tricky games as well like we've had probably the trickiest fixture run you can have in the Premier League in terms of basically playing almost all of the top six at once um, except maybe Man United um, so it's probably to be expected that we drop points anyway but it is disappointing to lose that momentum and I think what it showed is that Mourinho needs to fight I think he knows what his best first team is but I don't think he knows what his best substitutions are to make when we need to do something different. And I think what was quite stark against Leicester was it was the first time for a long time we'd gone behind in a game. And it was as if the players and Mourinho weren't really sure what to do when we actually had to go and chase a game. And I think when you play so many games in quick succession, playing the same style, it can be hard then to get out of that. And particularly if you're doing it with the same players. And I think amongst Spurs fans, there's kind of a split between those who are more anti-Mourinho and think this is because he's too defensive and we should have gone for it more against Palace and gone for it more against Leicester. And if we had it done, we would have won. And it's his, you know, defensive parking the bus mindset versus others who I think are perhaps a bit more appreciative of the caliber of the opposition we played and and the difficulty of those fixtures and and the work that he's done so far. Um, And I think that's what people say about Mourinho. You know, when you're winning, it's great. But when you play that style and you don't win, then it's even worse than, another victory because you kind of feel like you haven't really you know made a a good show for yourselves you haven't really fought for it the same way but I don't think against Palace or Liverpool I think against Palace we were far more attacking than we had been in the previous matches but I think the players then started to just naturally sit back at 1-0 because they just played three games City, Chelsea and Arsenal where that was the tactic and Palace to their credit were playing well and pushing us back and I believe Mourinho, when he said afterwards, that wasn't the plan to sit back on the 1-0. But then if that's not the plan and that's what the players are starting to do, he needs to make substitutions earlier to stop that from happening. Because even though I said the Palace goal was a bit of a mistake from Lloris and, and the defence, it was clear that was coming. And then after we concede and after Mourinho makes two substitutions, we then look like the team more likely to score, even though you would have thought it would be Palace with momentum. So it showed that if he'd been a bit more proactive, we could have got something, but then arguably against Leicester, he's a bit too proactive by making that substitution at half time 
when maybe actually what we needed to do was still be a little bit more balanced because at 1-0 the game is still kind of there for the taking but then as soon as it gets to 2-0 and Leicester can just sit back and hit us on the break then the game's gone at that point and I think Leicester and Palace both played against us the way we played against you and against Chelsea and against City and it's like we don't know how to handle kind of a taste of our own medicine but I do think we have the players with Lacelso and Undumbele and even Delhi if he is going to be in the team to unpick a defence but I just think the other players in the squad need to start stepping up and Mourinho needs to start trusting them more if we're going to get through what's always a busy festive fixture list uh, still in the position we are now if if not better off but yeah that's kind of what I think that it, it was mainly a schedule catching up with us but I don't know whether from what you saw outside looking in whether there was anything that kind of stood out for you yeah I mean I I don't think I'm ever going to forget that Palace equaliser because I was I was going for a run actually and I was listening to it on the radio whilst I was running when Palace scored I was fist pumping in the air whilst running and I think people thought what on earth is going on with this, <laughs> this guy um a real special moment for me I was very happy um as sad as that may be how the mighty have fallen um, I think what you said actually seems to be it for me from what I've seen of Spurs in the past week is that that Son and Kane move that seemed to be the only thing that was really going for you and people have seen what it's all about. And also, I mean, it's a bit like Arsenal, really. Our move was always, you know, play it out of the back, to the right back, pass it up the wing, cross it over to Bamian, cut in, score. And that's been... Everyone's found us out, and that's why it just hasn't been working anymore. There was no plan B. And although Spurs, I think, have better quality players and a manager who's willing to adapt so that doesn't become their long-term reality, I guess it is frustrating that, you know, something that was working so well um, seems to not be, you know, the 100% effective method. And I suppose, you know, you look at when Leicester won the league, they seem to be able to get find Vardy you know, on the break, and then you'd be able to do that kind of slice across goal and finish. It was just classic, and they managed to do that all season long. And listen, they might come back Spurs next week against a, uh, an underperforming Wolves and, and do the same biz. I wouldn't put it past them, but I think you're right. You know, that schedule catching up with you, big games. Um, so so I, I wouldn't bet against Spurs picking um, their form back up. And, and I guess when you said about the players as well, I mean... You know, I don't really understand why you even brought in Vinicius if that's what he's going to be treated like. I mean, when is he ever going to displace Kane and Son unless there's injuries? Um, Mora seems to have been kind of put in, out and about. Um, is Lamella injured? I don't even know what's going on anymore with him. Um, and then, I mean, you you think I'm obsessed and I kind of am because it makes me fun, it makes me laugh. But Bale just... Just what, why? It, it, it almost feels like, apart from Hoiberg, who I still think is really overrated, I feel like the signings that Spurs made in the summer were very much painting over the cracks. And I don't think they were that next level up that I've always, we've always talked about, you know, that Dybala type signing. Like, when is it, when are they going to step up? I mean, yes, I would say Doherty at right back is a step up from Aurier. You're not even playing him. Alderweireld is terrible. Whoever plays alongside him is, is like a fake centre-back. Reguli on very nice, but like, you know, in and out as well. 
Sissoko, let's be honest, like he's bang average, bang average Sissoko, and they're they're pushing him to his limit, but he's always, you know, he, he's not gonna, he's not a Premier League winner, let's be honest. Um, and just Bale, it's, it was like that sugarcoat signing, but you know, he barely turns up to games now. I don't really, I don't really get it. It's a sentiment signing, and I think you're wasting your money, to be honest. Uh, and it's something we need to speak about today, about January, because do you think Spurs need to go in the market again? Do you think you have the squad to? quality to take you up that next edge i mean i'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here but it is in my mind that you know maybe they're not all that they're cracked up to be that that squares spurs squad especially outside of that first 11 maybe not even the first 11 well i think you'll probably be surprised to hear that i actually agree with more of what you said there than than you'd probably have expected um Mm -hmm. And I think Spurs fans now are starting to ask themselves the question about Bale. I think there's obviously so much goodwill in the bank. And I think there's patience for him because people appreciate the fact that he turned up injured and hadn't played for a, a long time. And you don't know about his his confidence maybe being knocked as well by what happened at Real Madrid. And I remember after he played one of his first games in the Europa League, he said, this is kind of like pre-season for him. So I think people knew it might take a while for him to hit top form whatever that looks like now for Bale because obviously he's not the same player he once was but you know we're not getting that Bale Kane Son front three that everybody was kind of dreaming about when he was signed and given how reliant we've been on Kane and Son and the need for other players to step up I think more eyes now are turning to Bale and going okay look now's the time where we need you to you know you've been here a while now you've been training you've been getting minutes we need you to kind of step up and give us another option moving forwards because that could that could be it. If he now does, it does click for him. That could be our our plan B. You know, Bale is the plan B potentially to help us unpick defenses who are fully focused on on Kane and Son. So I think there is still time with Bale, but it it was undeniably um, motivated by sentiment, and and you could make a cold hard kind of analytical argument for why it would have been better placed elsewhere potentially that money I do think Hoiberg and Region I think have both been fantastic I think both been obvious upgrades on those positions and uh, immediately in the first 11 but I think you're right when you look at the likes of Vinicius and Doherty and think well they're not getting in the team there's not much rotation now going on because the Europa League we're going to be in the knockout rounds where Mourinho will probably now want to play his first team and that won't be for a while Maybe they'll play against Stoke in the Cup on Wednesday, but that's now a huge game. You don't want to lose that because that's probably our best hope for a trophy at this moment in time. We're at the quarterfinal stage. We're playing a, a championship team. So you want to make sure you don't get embarrassed and win that. So maybe he'll go for the, the first team again. And you think, yeah, we've got all these signings in, but have they actually, you know, they're there on the bench, but if, they, if they're not getting on, how much strength and depth are they really providing i can't see us spending much in january though unless we sell first and i wonder whether the treatment of delhi and the kind of exiling of delhi is because Mourinho knows that in order to buy and strengthen the defense for example he knows he's going to have to sell and delhi is a player who we could probably still get a pretty good fee for despite everything that's happened and maybe he thinks look i need to you know do a flip sell a player if i want to get in a player and obviously we know he wanted to sign another center back in the summer and I think you're right that when you look at some of those players in isolation, they are, you know, they're not they're not Liverpool's level, even with the injuries Liverpool have had. They're not 
fully world class. But in a way, I think that's a testament then to the job that Mourinho is doing, that he's managed to get players like Aurier and Suzoko and Eric Dyer look as solid as they have done defensively. I think that shows that he is getting the most out of this squad. Um, and it wouldn't surprise, and, you know, Davison Sanchez, for example, hasn't played for ages. Harry Winks, obviously, there's been rumours about. So maybe we will have quite a busy January. And I, and if we can sell a player or two, I can imagine Mourinho having the clout to kind of pressure Levy and say, look, if, if we want to take that next step from being top four contenders to title contenders, I need to buy X, Y, and Z. But having had such a big summer where we, we brought in all those players, I, I can't see us being that busy in January unless we make a sale. But knowing us, we probably won't sell somebody until deadline day anyway, by which point it'll be too late. And Levy will probably be thinking, well, look, you know, you've shown how much you can get out of this team. You haven't fully used yet the players I got you in the summer. So we don't really need to go in January. So it will be interesting to see what happens. Uh, obviously, we've got Bergvine in January, um, which, I mean, to think that we only signed Bergvine this year i mean everything pre-lockdown just feels like it was five years ago let alone happen this year so you know even someone like bergvine is actually still a newer player than we think um lamella was injured yeah so as he always is at this time of year so we've got him to come back as well so there's still so many players in the squad that i feel like in a way that works against us making signings but in the other sense maybe the squad's too big and actually we could do with getting rid of a few more players and to keep on kind of rebuilding the squad in Jose's image. But I suppose throwing it back to Arsenal, how important do you think January is going to be for you? Could it be the difference between Mikel Arteta staying in the job or not? And these rumours keep won't go away about Christian Eriksen, which I don't think we've talked about on the podcast, but how would you feel about something like that? What do you see Arsenal doing this window? How important do you think it could be, not just for this season, but I suppose for the, the future of the club? Well, I'm a big believer in the fact that it's not the players you know that yes players may have down tools players may have bad attitudes but at their best this group of players are more than capable of doing more than what they have for a long time take out that cup run for a long time they haven't been doing what they should be doing properly apart from that Fulham game the first day of the season so my my most important thing in January would say is to sign a new manager that's personally where I think the money should go if they're trying to claim cry poverty say we don't have money I'd say, well, you know, if you have enough money to sign a £10 million defender, then you have enough money to, to sack a manager and find a new one, personally. Um, they're going on about a creative player, but as a lot of people say, we're not one creative player away from from, uh, from everything um, you know, going over the line. I mean, you know, everyone's going on about bringing Ozil back in the squad as the, the kind of new signing. No, enough enough of Meza Urzuk. It's enough. I'm sorry. It's, I'm fed up. People have very short memories about the fact that he was rubbish for years. He was lazy. He wasn't doing it for the team. He'd be in and out. He'd miss away days. His attitude stunk. It's enough. It's done. His contract's <laughs> run out. He's barely been playing. His, his behaviour off the pitch on social media, I don't even want words to describe it. It's, it's done. It's it's he's not coming back in the squad. Socrates as well, like very nice. He's slow. He's not an Arsenal player. Just just the money's better off. You know, if they're going to pay the contracts out anyway, just terminate them straight away. Enough. Enough. Honestly, I, I you know, if they want to go and sign a little whiz kid, creative, great. But they still haven't exercised all the options they have in the in the in the squad, and that's what a new manager would come with. 
new ideas. If Saka's a number 10, apparently, put him in number 10, see what happens. I don't understand. If if Fainsy Maitland-Niles wants to play midfield, play him there because he actually performs when he's there. I think there's, you know, send Danny Ceballos back on loan because he's not a defensive midfielder or an attacking midfielder. I don't know what he is. There was a reason El Nene was in the wilderness for two years. There's a reason why Shaka is the most hated player at Arsenal from the fans. It's just, I think there's more value in getting rid of players and getting a new manager than there is signing players. I just, uh, and the Ericsson one, yeah, great, go on, bring him in for a loan for, for six months. It can't be worse than what we've got. Honestly, I don't care that he used to play for Spurs. I don't care if he's not in form. Good players in, at their core can still do something, especially you know, if they've played in this league before and performed. Um, but, but what they actually do is a different story. I, I can't sit here, honestly, and say I'm, I'm going to smile and wave if we just keep Arteta during January, we sign a random creative midfielder, and then, it, you know, we get 12th place. I think, that's, I think that's bottling it. And it's just shown the fact that they haven't made immediate reaction shows that they've accepted what mediocre club we're becoming. And that, for me, is, you know, a disgrace. But I guess I could throw it back at Spurs. Listen, you guys are always talking about going back to your top four in a trophy rhetoric, which, you know, could you honestly say if you finish fourth place and you win the League Cup again, isn't, isn't that just 2008 on steroids? <laughs> well, no, because, I mean, 2008, we, I mean, where did we finish in the League? 11th, maybe? I don't know. But, I mean, top four in a trophy is, is our best season for decades because i mean everyone says silverware 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 if we were to win silverware we get that off our backs it would be our first trophy for what 12 years by by the time we've uh, done it like it, that would be a great season particularly given you look at the competition now for the top four it's not just liverpool and city you look at the way united are playing you look at chelsea you look at leicester you look at wolves you look at southampton at the moment you look at everton you look at how well aston villa are playing I mean, there's, there's, you know, it's a cliche to say there's no easy games in the Premier League, but I think particularly this season, and undeniably that the focus with Mourinho will be on silverware because that'll be he will have then achieved something that that Pochettino couldn't do, and is you know you bring in a manager like Mourinho to win trophies, and given that last season we didn't finish in the top four, finishing the top four and getting back in the Champions League would be an undeniable improvement on last season, and winning a trophy is an undeniable improvement on. <laughs> most seasons this millennium so uh, top one a trophy is is a brilliant season and i don't think there's any other explanation to that i mean uh, you you just went through our squad and pointed out how average a lot of the players are so i don't think we should necessarily be devastated if we don't win the title given that that wasn't never the ambition going into this season obviously if we can sustain a title race beyond a few weeks and we're in the situation we are we were last week in march or april then yeah, of course, it'll be disappointing if we don't win a title. But given the state of the season at the moment, the state of last season and, and how few trophies we've won recently, I think top four in a trophy is definitely a sign of progress, you know, whichever way you want to slice it. And I suppose looking ahead, I mean, we already started talking about January, the year's coming to an end. When you look ahead to, to 2021, you know, if you were doing a kind of New Year's resolutions for Arsenal, what do you say should be the the goal and ambition, what in your eyes would constitute success for Arsenal by the end of this season and kind of, I suppose, looking ahead to, to 2021? I think it's got to be a strategy. We need to know whether we're going project youth, whether, whether we're going project experience and you know, all out to get back in 
into the Champions League and, and winning those trophies again, the top trophies. Um, we need some transparency as Arsenal fans. You know, it's all about, in every service, it's about under-promising and over-delivering. And it's been the complete opposite, um, in my honest opinion. Um, so I think a clear vision to know, OK, it might be a bit, a bit awry, but we're bringing through all the kids, you know, we're getting rid of all the dross, we're sticking with the young manager. It's not happening. We're not sacking him, that vote of confidence. Or, you know, we're going to a progressive new route. Um, you know, we're bringing someone in to, to create a vision for Arsenal. And and, and that's the story. I mean, I, I, I guess for you, it feels... It seems from the outside it'd be quite obvious, but I just want to pick up on one point you just said about you know not going into the season, you know with the title as as the main goal, and it, it kind of feels like well when are Spurs really gonna go in and say we're we're tied to contenders? Are you always going to hover on that periphery, or is it just is it just the context you feel? Um, it's a good question to be honest, because I think I remember Mourinho in his when he was unveiled as Spurs manager, he said. Obviously, we can't win the, the league this season, but next year we could. I'm not saying we will, but we could win the league. So I feel like Mourinho, even though he keeps on playing it down and says it's one match at a time, you could see in, in how disappointed he was to lose at Liverpool that he he probably thinks he can mount a title challenge with this team, but he seems to not want to put that pressure on them publicly. And I think it, it's going to take a while to change the mentality, but I think you know the type of manager Mourinho is he will be aiming high. Whether or not he thinks he fully has the tools at his disposal yet to win the title, I don't know. But I think it is a, a reasonable question because, I mean, you look at the Leicester season, the Chelsea season after that, we kind of found ourselves in a title race by the time it came to March and April without ever really realising it in a way or with that being the goal. And it almost seems to be a kind of the minute Spurs are actually properly in the title race, then it all falls apart. And it, you know, it's kind of played out again this past week. We ended up going top of the league without really kind of thinking we were in the title race. And then as soon as people were bigging up that Liverpool game, I mean, it was almost like hyped up like the Champions League final, that Liverpool game. Then we lose it. And then we seemed had to have been suffering from a hangover from that against Leicester and kind of our heads had dropped. So I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't know whether maybe this season, if we win a trophy this season and finish top four, and continue to kind of make the signings that Mourinho wants, I think next season he will go into it thinking, okay, we need to go for the title. But I guess it all depends on where we finish this season, how well we do this season. And I feel like the title talk with Spurs this year was as much about what other teams were doing, arguably more so than it was what we were doing. It was because Van Dijk was injured. It was because the league is so topsy-turvy and crazy at the moment because of COVID. It's because Villa beat Liverpool 7-2. It wasn't necessarily because people thought Spurs were the best team in the league, all things being equal. It was because they thought, well, it's a bit of a strange season and maybe under Marine, because they've got Mourinho, Spurs can put a run together. It wasn't like they thought, oh yeah, everybody being fit, Spurs are the best team in the league. But maybe that will change over the course of, of next year and going into next season, if we can show that we're capable of winning something. I think that's what's been missing because we haven't won a trophy, a major trophy with this team. Perhaps ourselves as well as everybody else aren't ready to kind of perceive ourselves as contenders, but maybe we do need that 
top four in a trophy season that you were kind of disparaging before to lay the groundwork to then have the confidence and belief to go into a season thinking we can win a title because it's a lot to go. I mean, I know Leicester did it, but it's a lot to go from nothing to a title straight away without having had some sort of prior success before that. So yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know though, but I mean, it's, it's a fair question because it's at some point you, you need to put the expectation on yourself, but I feel like with Mourinho, we're more likely to set ourselves those, set ourselves those sort of standards uh, more so than we were in the past and actually go into a season with that belief. And again, that's why you bring in a manager like Mourinho to try and bring in that sort of mentality. But I guess he's still, as this past week has shown, kind of struggling to uh, get that consistency, I guess. They're just a little pony. Well, exactly. And, and I mean, when he said about Chelsea being a little horse that season, they finished what third, mm. they then did go and win the league the next season. So maybe he does, because I mean, I know he's been here a year, but last season was half a season, which was interrupted by COVID. And it was quite interesting actually before the Liverpool game, he said, look, Liverpool are the product of over a thousand days with Klopp. I've only been at Spurs 300 something days. And most of those were interrupted by COVID. So in a way, this is his first full season. People kind of say, well, it's his second season, but in a way, it's his first proper season. And we know Mourinho, apart from Man United, has always won the title in his second season. So maybe it is next year, but maybe that's just me kind of clutching at straws. It does sound a bit like that, but, you know, who knows? I guess it will be, uh, be interesting to see. I suppose the final... I mean, there's Carabao Cup action this week. Do you have any hopes for the Man City game? No, I think we're going to lose. I think even City's second team, if they put out, is stronger than our first team. Um, I think it'd be a miracle if we got a result, actually. An absolute miracle. And uh, I just can't can't see a way out of this rut at the moment, to be honest, in, in, in any competition. Although... If the Europa League's anything to go by, maybe a shift of personnel will do something. If he puts out 11 youngsters, he'll be criticised either way if they, if they lose. You know, why didn't you put out the bigger players? Or, oh my God, it's it could even be worse because if we know that our plan B is still bad, then it's uh, then I think it's almost curtains for him. But um, yeah, I think that's going to be a, I think that's a lottery, to be honest. Um, and then that Saturday game is just... I don't know what to say. I mean, based on Chelsea's form and our form, how can you even look at Arsenal getting getting a win out of that? A point would be a good result, but that's is that enough to keep to keep uh, to keep us afloat right now? I'm not so sure. And I guess back to Spurs, that Stoke game. You know, on paper that should be a victory. Um, what will that do to the team if they lose that? Um, I guess for you, God forbid. Um, and that Wolves game away, it's not easy. It could that. Could that run and slide continue? Well, yeah, wet, windy Wednesday night in Stoke. It's almost set up for a upset there. I've got this horrible, horrible vision of Arsenal beating Man City and us losing to Stoke. Um, it's a must win, I think, because that trophy is, as I said, if, if we can win that and we're in a semi-final, I don't think we'd have reason to fear any of the other teams left in it because they're all teams that we would have beaten at some point this season. Okay. Maybe not Everton. Uh, and I guess we drew to Newcastle. So maybe I'm kind of deciding it's falling apart now, but 
to be in the semi-final would be big and it would give us really something tangible to aim for. And I think getting that first trophy in the bag, as I was just saying before, could be so big in terms of building up our confidence and belief to go and try and win bigger and better things either this season or next season. So I think in a way, I'd rather we win that game than uh, Wolves because Premier League form we can make up. But if we lose, you know, lose that cup game, that's it. And I think coming off hot of the heels of what happened this week, that could really be a big, put a big dent in our confidence. Um, so hopefully we can get the result there. And then Wolves is going to be very, very tricky. I know they lost to Burnley tonight, but they beat uh, Chelsea the other week and they're, they're never an easy team to play. So it wouldn't surprise me if we drop points there. I think we'd do very well to win that. But if we do manage to win the Stoke game and we do get a good result at Wolves, then I think we'll be we'll be back. And then we've got a pretty favourable run of fixtures then up until mid-February, I think, when we play Liverpool. And the dream is that we end up in a situation whereby the next time we play Liverpool, we're in a similar sort of situation to where we were when we played them last week. And we can go one better. But that's very uh, optimistic thinking, given what we've just seen this past week. It's more likely that we'll be out of the Carabao Cup, mid-table in the league, and already starting to kind of think Europa League or bust. Um, but yeah, hopefully uh, we're dreaming of another another trip to Wembley. And, and 2008 on steroids, as you said, I, I would take 2008 on steroids right now if it was offered to me. Not steroids, the drug, I make clear. <laughs> but the the concept of the year 2008 on steroids would, would be very nice yeah time will tell and it's live and it's live